Welcome to the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers in social care. My name is Pia Raftier-Burton and I'm a Skills for Care locality manager. And hi, my name is Ali Rusbridge. I'm also a Skills for Care locality manager. In the Care Exchange podcast series, we're talking to leaders and managers who work in social care. We want it to be a good opportunity to hear about their experiences and the tips and learning and knowledge they want to share with other managers. So the reason we decided to create a podcast was that we really want to celebrate the role of managers in social care. We also wanted somewhere where managers could listen to other managers and pick up some good ideas. The Care Exchange Conversation is a monthly podcast, so make sure you click on the subscribe button so you get notifications of the latest episode. If you are a manager in social care, this is the podcast for you. Today, we're talking to Marlene Kelly. Marlene is a registered manager of Auburn Mere, which is a residential home for older people in Watford. So we both saw Marlene when she gave evidence at the Health and Social Care Parliament Select Committee last summer. And she gave such a passionate evidence about the role of it as registered manager. We wanted to talk to her and find out a bit more. So on with the show. Thank you for joining us, Marlene. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. So um, really excited to talk to you today. So just wonder if we could start off by you telling us a little bit about your role. Okay, so I'm the manager of Auburn Mere, which is a residential care home that's based in Watford. Um, we're registered for 37 residents and some of those residents are living with dementia diagnosis and some of them aren't. Um, so it's a mixed home. It's small, like I said, it's 37, which is small for older people's services. Um, and I've been at the home for 14 years. Wow. 14 years in August. Okay. And how was your journey into that role? You know, how did you get there? I think like most registered managers that I talked to, then I, I worked my way up through the roles. So I started as a support worker and I worked my way up from there. Um, before Auburn Mere, I worked at a charity for seven years um, and it, it was an amazing experience. It provided me with lots of opportunities and I met some incredible people there, um, but it was very stressful. And I, I thought when I was going to Auburn Mere that it was gonna be some sort of respite from that and that I was going to go and have this, this really peaceful time working with older people and I, I committed I remember when I went to interview they asked me how long I thought I'd stay and I committed to the directors that I'd give them two years and then I, I had other plans um, but yeah I've been there for 14 years in August I really I really love the place I really fell in love with the place. Yeah you must have been to, to, to stay that long. Mm -hmm. And do you still think it's like a, a nice, peaceful role? It is. Um, it's not. It's really hard work. But the place is. The place is peaceful. And we've created this space that, you know, I'm proud of how it feels and the culture of the organisation. Um, but I, yeah, it's busy. And it was ha much harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And what sort of home is it? What sort what? We've, we've like worked really hard to sort of create a culture that's around love and friendship and that it feels very family orientated. You know, in normal times, then families would come in and out of the house as they pleased and they bring their children and their pets. And we have a toy area where 
children are encouraged to stay and play and tea and cakes always served and you know anything that would like if we were having parties we'd encourage the families to come along um it's it's you know it's not purpose-built it's not like five-star hotels sort of style it's just a really homely environment and I think we've tried to create a place that feels like home even though it's not not might not feel like that at first so it's more of the feeling and not the place and um, we worked really hard to try and create some feeling of community there so and, and I think with families coming in and, and people of all ages that definitely helps with the feeling of community um, yeah. and I think I might have said but we 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 don't have you know like where lots of homes there's a segregated floor or ward for people with dementia we don't have that urban mirror. It's just one sort of dynamic home. And I know some professionals think that's a great idea and some professionals hate it and think it's ridiculous trying to run a service like that. But for me, I've always found that if you mix lots of different types of people with lots of different levels of abilities, then sometimes you can get more from people that way. It's a more dynamic group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so we, yeah, we have no sort was, of segregation. Was it, all, was it always like that, Marlene, or did you bring that in yourself? It, when I got there, I think there was a plan that the, the, ironically, the top floor of the house was going to be for people with dementia. And I remember having to do a re-registration to, to CQC to say that we were going to go that way so that we could get our registration for people because it was just for older people and then you had to do a special registration to get dementia on so I did that and I went through that process and I told them how we were going to make the top floor this segregated sort of area but then we didn't do it because I just didn't think it would work it meant moving people around that had been there for a long time and we got the registration and we communicated with them that I'd reversed the decision and they were fine. You know, it, yeah. it works. Maybe it works for me. I don't think it works everywhere, but it works for us. I know. I mm-hmm. noticed when we were when I was um, doing a bit of research that you've got a really active social media profile. Is that something? Why have you chosen to have that? Um, we basically, I think that. The, the reason for sort of really investing time into it is it has become sort of a way of people that can't visit the home to be able to feel what it's like there. So it's sort of like a way of translating the culture of the organisation over to people that might be considering using the service. But in recent times, we've used it a lot to sort of communicate what activities are going on for, for families, just to know that mum or dad are taking part in something that's fun and and you know that they're having a good time because all these words like loneliness and isolation and you know families not being able to to freely visit their loved ones is worrying and I I think that the social media element of things has really helped. So so you're saying Molly that social media has become far more important to you during the pandemic than it was before? Yeah, I, d- I definitely think it has because before before we were like a home that was always full with a waiting list of people to move in. And now we're a home where we've got, you know, vacancies at the home because we, we sadly lost residents and because 
people aren't very sort of enthusiastic at this time about moving into residential care. So I think it's sort of a way of reassuring people actually, you know, it's not as bad as how the media is portraying because mm. the pictures are very damaging and, and the way that, that care is being portrayed is, isn't, isn't great for the industry and especially not for um, independent, like we're a, an independent home so we're not yeah. part of a large group or anything so so it's important for us to be able to put across how the home would feel um but I would say something about like how it's managed is because when I speak to other managers they say you know like it's it's really hard work and and the thing is is that social media can be really hard work for me because I'm rubbish at it but for my administrator she's she is all about social media and she knows how it works it's like her second language that's how she communicates that's you know part of her life and I think you know it's about looking at your team and finding that person and and you know they're often millennials who have just grown up with it and they, and they know they know this stuff and and so I think sometimes you've got to pick the best person for that that role and trust I think long as they understand you know how you want the home to feel and the culture of the place then then you know putting that into pictures is is their job and that's what they can do and and they're very good at writing the little blogs that go underneath them and so at first I checked everything, but over time the staff have got better and better at sending, you know, sending Holly what they want to put on and, and her translating that into something that's really good for us. Yeah, and I think one of the things that really stood out for me was the the photos because they were just, um, you know, you had such a feeling of, the, of, of all the things you've said about family, about uh, community present, about... Um, this kind of fun, you know, a caring, loving environment. That was really what came across from the photos. I think mm. you've done extremely well in kind of translating the home into into a social media profile, which, are, you know, it's, it's it's something that I know that some homes are doing really well and some have really struggled with. And you say some people find it really hard work, but I think kind of using that as a way of communicating with others, other new clients, but also client families, a really clever thing to do. Yeah, I and think... One of the things that, sorry. Sorry, I think I think you just have to find the right person, yeah. you know, and, and trust that that person's going to do it. And I don't think it matters who it is. You know, it could be somebody that's like, I don't know, in the accounts department or something. But they're so good at that sort of work that, you know, and working like that, that they, you know, it's right to pass that responsibility on to somebody that finds it easy. And then it doesn't become a chore. I was just going to say, it sounded like that you had a very clear aim for it as well. That that issue you mentioned about really being positive, showing those positive images was really important. Yeah, I think trying to show um, something different than what people are seeing in the newspapers, you know, because even when things are really hard, you know, in, in the pandemic, when things were really hard, there was still some really beautiful stuff going on. So, you know, you could be doing something terribly hard, having a, a difficult conversation or supporting someone at the end of their life, but you could be at the same time in the same shift, be celebrating somebody's birthday and or writing a letter home to family. And I think trying to capture the good stuff is important. 
and I really noticed this huge variety of activities that you were doing, uh, you know, just the kind of things that I remember when I was looking at your Facebook, particularly it was, you know, water gun fights in the summer, VR experiences, you had chicks, you know, there was just so many different things that, I, you know, you wouldn't think of uh, that to, to provide as activities. How do you come up with all the, these ideas? I think that it's important, like, to, to, ask the team all to participate. So like, I think that ideas should be part of everyone's job, you know, come forward with ideas. Yesterday, somebody came into the office with something they'd taken a picture of on their phone, they'd seen it somewhere else, they thought it'd be a great idea. You know, so it's about people sort of coming forward with their ideas and then those ideas being taken on board. Um, I think that activities should be like really meaningful to the individuals and you know I, I always thought if I was starting from scratch then I would only employ activity coordinators at the beginning so instead of support workers I'd just employ like 20 activity coordinators and then that everybody would see that that was the priority and then maybe work backwards from there. So like mm. then start to look at what other support that people need. But for me working with people with dementia, certainly I feel like occupation and connection is really everything to them. So mm. like, you know, it can, make, it can make differences to their medication, how much they eat and drink, you know, how loved they feel, you know, their general well-being. I just think it's all about sort of being occupied, doing something, making a contribution to the household. I think all of those things really matter. Yeah. Um, I'd also, if I was starting home from scratch, I'd fill it with animals as well. But <laughs> And that's not because I'm an animal person, but that is because I can see the benefits, you know, like of having, if you wake up and you think you've got something to look after that day, then I think that that makes a big difference to people. Yeah, yeah, and animals are so good in, in so many ways. If you're feeling a bit down, having a bit of a cuddle, it makes makes a huge, dif huge difference to somebody's well-being as well. Um, yeah. I, I think you're right. It's hmm. absolutely, yeah. So, so is this where the chicks uh, yeah. fit in? Where, where do the chicks fit in? Actually, with the chicks, it was really... It, I, it, it was like they were heaven-sent, those chicks, because we had booked them, like at the beginning of the year and of course we weren't expecting to be hit with the pandemic in in March and April time and then so we actually had an outbreak when those chicks arrived and so the residents were in isolation but the amazing thing that the chicks did were comfort the staff team massively mm -hmm. so like the eggs were delivered and then they started to hatch over this period of time where we were really struggling and so we got to cuddle these little chicks and then the residents that couldn't be, um, you know, that couldn't be isolated because, you know, it wasn't possible for their mental health. And then they were able to look after the chicks for us. So it just it was it was like they were heaven sent the chicks because they arrived. We yeah. forgot and we'd ordered them. We were furious because we couldn't cancel them once they got to the house. <laughs> And then actually they provided us with great joy. And I think that I think that sometimes, you know, the, the best experiences come from the things you least expect. So yeah, I think it was um it was a great benefit for us as well as the residents. The joy of chicks, eh? <laughs> so um 
so so you are chair of registered manager network how has been being part of the network been you know beneficial for the, for you both before the pandemic but also during the pandemic um i I can remember when I started my job that I didn't know another registered manager. So I remember what that mm. felt like. And it was really isolating. And although you go to network meetings, you often sit next to people of all different levels. You very rarely meet other registered managers. And then when you do, they're often based quite far away from, from where you are. So for me then, um, I just, I just think there was just such a great benefit to not feeling so isolated. And I felt that registered managers really understand how other registered managers feel more than anybody else. Because if you pe speak to people outside of social care, very few know what a registered manager do does as a job. And so when you sit with somebody who is almost like, I don't know, you know, they go through the same experiences, they face the same challenges. There's this real understanding of each other. And, and I found that a great benefit before the pandemic. And I also felt a lot of the time as an independent organization that, that you're doing a lot of the same work. You're writing the same policies they're writing. You're, you know, you're setting up the same raters, you're doing, and it's really important to be able to share with each other some of that stuff. and. I remember asking at the beginning and people being really closed about what they charged or how much they paid their support workers and nobody really telling you anything. And, you know, certainly for the network that I chair, then we've tried to be really open and honest with each other so that it just saves time. It makes you more efficient and, you know, it's just a kinder way of working. You know, you're all in competition, but there's plenty of people to go around and you can all help each other. and. So, so we've come, again, sort of tried to create a little community where we can share information. And um, for me, then, you know, certainly people in the network have helped me with like safeguarding issues. And um, I prepared some, one of the girls helped me prepare once for something for a coroner. And then at the same time, I've helped them with interviews and disciplinaries and you know, so we've been able to sort of get on board with what each other needs a bit of support with. Um, and then I think during the pandemic, then I think I've tried to be really open about what my experiences have been. I've been a bit worried that people don't share the difficulties they face. So I've tried to encourage that as much as possible. So again, we've been quite open with each other about how hard it's been and um, is there any help we can offer each other? Um, and it's not just about like the meetings and the WhatsApp group, but it's about, you know, just knowing that there's somebody you can call. And sometimes it's, it's you know, you text somebody late into the evening, something's bothering you and they can come back to you with a really simple answer and, and it's all resolved, you know? So yeah, there's definitely massive benefits to it. And having that way of, of, of um of knowing somebody else is going through the same sometimes helps and just being able to even though you don't have a solution just being able to say i you know i'm really worried or you know um you know i worry every time we have to do testing because i you know i know you know what what may come and having been able to talk to somebody else about those things makes a huge difference doesn't it yeah it definitely does so 
why do you think it's important for registered managers to recognise and look after their own well-being? Um, I think sometimes because you're leading a team and you're constantly looking at your team and how you're going to support them with their well-being and you, you've got this amazing group of residents and you're supporting them with their well-being and then I think sometimes your your own sort of emotional health is quite far down the list of priorities. And I think you have to be, I don't know if it's somebody of a certain age or somebody of a certain experience, but to, to know actually, you know, to have enough energy for everybody else, you've got to, you've got to be able to look after yourself to do that. So uh, yeah, I think it's vital that registered managers and I, I see what happens when people don't. And so so I think it's a vital part of the role. You know, looking after yourself is part of that job. A colleague of ours says, look after yourself to look after others. And I think that's a really good way of, of, of saying that, you know, that really sort of sums sure. it up so well. Is that something that you've done as a network together that you've, you've tried to really look after each other in that way? I think more as a network than I think you know I I'm more sort of conscious of when we were meeting in person I was very conscious that I always made the tea you know when they got there because I wanted to give them something I wanted to give them biscuits and tea and I picked a really lovely place to have the meeting so that they could look out onto beautiful gardens and you know like I really thought about that and it seems I remember thinking it's all very indulgent, but ultimately it was really important to me that if they were going to take the time out of their day to come and be part of it, then I wanted them to sit down and, and sort of be waited on and looked after because yeah. I think that they deserve that. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's important to, to be able to talk to others about the struggles that you face. And, you know, I... For, for my own well-being through the the pandemic I struggled at different times at some, sometimes I was emotionally strong sometimes I needed to seek counseling and support sometimes I you know would be able to go for a long walk with one of my colleagues and that would make me feel better but I think you have to work out what's what's really good for your own well-being the other thing that was good for me was about you know that active learning sessions was a real opportunity to learn from other managers and I've worked out that somehow learning is a real it's a real aid for my well-being you know whether that's learning something new that's like creative and you know a hobby or whether it's learning something about myself and and self-knowledge or you know, I was learning through those active learning sessions. I was certainly learning things from other managers and that sort of peer support improved my own well-being. Um, I think working in social care is busy and, and you have to really push back sometimes to find enough balance to look after yourself. And yeah, I think Ideally, you know, my mission last year was that I was going to do some more sort of well-being work with the network, but obviously it just didn't go that way. But I hope there will be a time and a place for it. Yeah. I think it's really interesting what you're saying about learning um, 
being well-being you know really kind of having a link with well-being I, I know myself if 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 I'm learning something and I get excited about it and I feel so much better even mm. though it's an additional work or, or you know something extra I have to think about or whatever because I'm excited about it I, I then feel much better because I think oh god this is going to be really really good you know uh, and it really kind of um, you know excites me and, and, and then encourages me and then then you have more energy and then you feel better isn't it it's kind of almost like a, a bit of a link yeah, I, th- I think learning and, and creativity and, you know, like the outdoor during the pandemic, there was a few times where I was having like really difficult conversations on a daily basis. And after a few few days, I was taking the calls in the garden. So I would be walking around the garden and, you know, like a member of the team would say you were outside for like three quarters of an hour walking around in circles, you know, and I was saying, but you know what? it was a really difficult conversation to have and it really helped me to be outside to to feel the fresh air and to feel the sunshine and you know those things really help so I think you have to you have to work out sometimes what what helps you and I and I think that self-knowledge is very important sometimes you don't really think about that until you're not at work and somebody's teaching you how to learn about your own self-knowledge I think it has to be taught you don't get taught that at school Mm. so yeah maybe you should (laughs) (laughs) so Marlene we we ask all our guests uh, a series of uh, four questions so I'm going to go on to those now the first one is what story or experience do you always tell people? It could be in a social situation or it could be in a work situation, but what's the story that your go-to story? Um, well, I'm, I'm not really like a storyteller, but you know, I'm, I'm, I am a really massive advocate for working in social care. And, and I did this from college. So I went, um, I went to work somewhere at 18 with people with learning disabilities and over over time I just learned so much from the people I supported along the way so like I learned so much like from even now like there's members of my team that I look at that have skills that you know I'm in complete awe of you know like they they've got something inside them that is you know just just amazing to me and and you know skills I could only dream of having and and then I get to work with people and and I've worked with lots of people that have managed to stay positive regardless of the challenges they face Mm. and I think you know like if you don't know somebody who's like deaf blind and still great fun to go to a nightclub with or you don't know somebody who you know is in a wheelchair and and only communicates with their eyes or something but can still tell you a bad joke or you know you don't really understand that and I I feel really Mm. like I I do tell people that I feel very privileged I do tell people that and you know like my friends would hear me say you know that I feel privileged to do what I do. That's great so it's so really your your whole work experience is a story of that you know that and how amazing people are and staying positive yeah and also you know like I I feel really privileged to have a job where you can do something like um like so maybe on a Monday you are supporting somebody at the very end of their life and you're working with their family and them to make it as peaceful 
and as comfortable as you possibly can. And then the following day, you're throwing a fireworks party <laughs> and making cupcakes. You know, like, so, so it's, it's, you know, that very varied a role that, you know, each day is so different and, and it is really challenging and it is really hard, but there definitely is that element of privilege. There definitely yeah. is. That's great. And you, you've begun to answer my next question to a certain extent, but what do you really, really like about what you do? And we put the two reallys in because the stress on the second one, you know, what, what's the, the best part of your work? I think I think it's that I think it's that it's it's not boring you know it's never boring um and I think that the problem the real problem solving element because you you're constantly solving like small problems or big problems or you know like that element is a real motivation and I think you know that this the amount of impact the decisions that you make have on other people so like I feel like you know if the decisions I make it impacting my team and my residents positively then I'm doing a good job and mm. yeah I, th I think that's what I like about it is that you get to see the results. Mm. That's great. So uh, our time for care slot <laughs> this is where we want you to try and share uh, what do you think is your most time-saving tip? What's your advice to other managers? I think for me, the 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 thing is, is that through the pandemic, um, you sort of can. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but first of all, when I go into work, I think about actually the first thing I'll do is the thing that's likely to keep me awake at night or kept me awake at night, mm. you know, so that's how severe a priority the first thing is, yeah. you know, if it's, so, so I try and resolve that niggling issue before I do anything else. So that's the one thing that I'd do. And then I think, um, I am very clear about the impact of things. So now when I'm looking at like a pile of work to do, the thing with the most impact is at the top and then the least at the bottom. So that often means that the sort of papery type work, you know, gets left or the massive pieces of work that you can't really see any great benefit of, somebody's just requested it from you then they go to the bottom of the pile and the things on the top of the pile are the things like maybe something a family needs support with or certainly if there's anybody struggling with a situation in the community or you know if there's anything we can help with then they go to the top of the pile and I think it's just that through the pandemic you you work out what really matters and mm. and, and I thought what really matters um, this might not be very popular, but I thought what really mattered was my CQC rating. And I thought what really mattered is what my monitoring officers thought. But actually I've worked out over time, what really matters is just how your residents are feeling and how their families are feeling and how your team feels supported. And they're all the important things. It's got nothing to do with anything else. And I think that that's what it's really highlighted for me. And that's that's amazing. I mean, just helping people think about priorities based on on that impact and on on the importance of, of the things you've mentioned. Then that's really helpful. Thank you. 
So our hardest task for you is we're looking to see whether you could use just three words to describe the things that you've talked about. It's kind of your, your three words of wisdom that you want to leave with the, the listeners. Okay, do I get to explain why I've picked them? Yeah, of or course. Do... Okay, let's <laughs> go for them. Um, I think one of the words I'd use is about, is, is reduce. So I would say that sometimes you need to reduce your work to the absolute essentials. Mm. And I think that sometimes to keep your sanity, but also to have the right impact with the work that you're doing. So I, I often think about the big pile of things to do and I think, how can I reduce it just to the essential stuff and then do something really meaningful with the rest of the day? And I, I think that's an important word for me. Um, I think well-being is definitely one of my words just because you can you can only have enough energy for everybody else if you're considering your own well-being and I think you can't run on empty it's not healthy and I see what happens when people do and it's not it's not good so so I just think that well-being should be I know it's a bit overused but I think it's really important mm. um and then maybe my third word would be about um I think maybe about community because you know those things about having occupation and connection and creating an environment where there's a feel for community of community is good for your residents and your team and it's good for the networks to have that feeling of community and the families and I just think that's something that has a lot of meaning for me especially now so yeah I think that would be it thank you that's, that's really great and that comes across really strongly that sense of community how important that is to you so I think that's a good choice thank you so much for uh, taking time I know you've been really really busy this week so really thank you so much for for taking time to talk to us today that's been so interesting and and um uh, I hope, oh, thank uh, you both for having me. I, I do like I did listen to the two other podcasts before me and I love them both. So I think you're doing a great job and I really hope lots of people will be willing to participate and to listen to the podcast. Thank you. That's really kind. Yeah, thank you very much. You. Bye. OK, bye. bye. Thank you to our guests, Marley and Kelly. We're so grateful she could spare the time to talk to us. We know managers and social care are going through a really challenging time at the moment, especially with additional restrictions and lockdown. And I, I thought it was really good to hear Marlene speak so openly about the challenges of being a registered manager and, and the importance of thinking about your well-being so that you can help other people. I mean, she was really strong on that and the way that, you know, that was something that she really believed in. And it, uh, it reminded me because we've actually just got a new page on our website for well-being, haven't we? It's um, under managing people and it's um, it's put all our resources for well-being in one place. I think it would be a really useful point for people to go to. I'd agree with her. I mean, it's such an important topic and we know how important it is at the moment for managers to really think about their own well-being, not just the well-being of their staff and, and the people that they're supporting. Yeah. And I, I just thought when she talked about that, she's so open and honest, which, mm. you know, is so refreshing to hear because it can be something that people struggle to to yeah. talk about openly about how they're feeling and how the particular pandemic have really uh, been so hard for the managers and social care. Yeah.
Yeah, the other thing I, I you know I'm going to think about after this uh, this episode is really about her how important it is to her and her team to provide meaningful activity for mm. the, meaningful activities for the people they support you know she she really does believe in that and I, I thought it was really interesting when she said oh you know if I could start from scratch I would just employ start by employing people yeah. uh, activities for it and I just thought god what a refreshing and interesting thing to to say and think about because if you are providing really meaningful activities all the time and that's everybody's responsibility then you are creating this atmosphere and this culture where that's you know that's vital and people then feel better and it goes back to that well-being isn't it yeah Um, absolutely we do have some resources and meaningful activities and we will have a webinar uh, around that as well and you know it's, it's i think it's something to think about how do you make sure that during a pandemic that those activities that are meaningful and they are throughout the day um, mm. Uh, mm. um yeah really interesting I, I love the example of the chick i thought she was going to have that as one of her three words at the end didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the chick saved the day so thank you for listening today don't miss the next episode follow the care exchange by downloading the podbeam app you can also listen and subscribe for your usual podcast streaming service if you enjoyed the care exchange podcast please share with anyone else who think benefit from it thank you for listening mm-hmm.